hop inside the dearly departed time machine, and let's take a trip back in time. Manhattan, 2009, the high school prep scene. These kids have everything. Money, penthouse apartments, sex, drugs, glitter bangles, and feather headbands. This is NYC Prep with special guest star, Molly McAleer. Dearly departed, are you listening? We will remember all about you. When you were canceled, we were trembling. We can't believe that they would doubt you. We won't forget you and the rest. Dearly departed, dearly departed. I have so much joy to look at my animated little guy. I mean, at this point, living in quarantine, it's like we are the avatars. <laughs> <laughs> what am I now besides my emoji? Oh, gosh. Thank you um, so much for being here. Of course. No, I'm so thrilled to do this. I rewatched all of NYC prep um, the last, I guess, last evening and this morning when I woke up. Um, and yeah, it's so bizarre. I've been doing like a, a bunch of different recap post or like recap podcast recently and everyone has been younger than me and also it shows that I haven't watched in a while and like I don't know it's weird like finally these kids genuinely seem like kids to me like they always seemed like you know just I mean like you know like the kids from the girls from rich girls you know, on MTV, that, that right. show with like Allie Hilfiger or whatever, they always seem to like just be living at a different pace in life because they're Manhattan kids. And um, finally I was like, oh no, these are just like regular ass kids. They're just <laughs> like basic kids. Um, it does, it does feel like that meme, the like 12 year, like when I was a 12 year old versus like the 12 year olds now or whatever, where totally. like we all looked like children and nowadays like what's a 16 year old and what's like a 24 year old. Yeah. There's something different in the water now, dude. <laughs> I don't, I can't explain it. Like everyone's body is different. Everyone's scary. Like, <laughs> so mature and like ready for fashion week. And I'm was, when I was that age, I was very much that age, you know, not, yeah. I was very, uh, yeah. Virginal it, and strange. It does make you feel like looking back, like, wait, was I doing it wrong? <laughs> Was I, I battle with this a lot. Cause I feel like it was my mom, you know, I would have never been allowed to like dress like, you know, like not my age. My mom right. very much kept me in like age appropriate clothing. And I don't think I was allowed to wear like a camisole top till I was maybe a junior in high school. <laughs> my mom was very, uh, strict about making sure that I looked age appropriate. Yeah, I go through that too. My parents were not strict, but I just wasn't, I was never going to do anything that I thought that they would question. So even though they didn't put pressure on me to look a certain way, I was just never going to take a risk if I thought that they would be mad about it. So I just like, yeah. The riskiest thing was me like wearing skinny jeans, my father being like, 
so mad that I was wearing skinny jeans. And I'm like, daddy, like, this is the look. I have to be cool. I have to be hip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm uncomfortable with the idea that we ever might move away from skinny jeans being the preferred style. Like, <laughs> I I can't believe that we had to wait for skinny jeans to come into fashion for them to just make sense because now that's all I would ever wear for the rest of my life. I can't imagine wearing like a boot cut. <laughs> <laughs> well, so how did you find NYC prep? Like, were you just browsing on Bravo? Was it something that was, it was an anticipated drop? What year did it come out? It's 2009. It came out in the summer. Okay. So it must've been on when I was working at like Gawker. Um, and it was probably one of the shows that I had to watch for work. And, um, I, I mean, I got to all the shows I got to watch for work. I really enjoyed anyway. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, this was also when gossip girl, a show I didn't watch, but like, I knew that was really popping off. And, mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of girls in like New York media running around in headbands and sort of doing the Blair Waldorf thing. The headbands. No, just the thing about gossip girl is this show was so associated with gossip girl but their real lives actually bear pretty much no resemblance to like the fictional lives of Gossip Girl. Yeah, I think that this was like, you know, the way that Laguna Beach was an answer to the OC. I think that this was their attempt at that. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I did did feel watching it like, you know, if Cruel Intentions is the father and like Gossip Girl is the son, then NYC Prep just like is my Holy Spirit. Like I feel like it rounds out that <laughs> essential trifecta of Upper East Side. Teen the Holy content. Trinity of teen prep school students <laughs> in 2009. Like they, you know, the kids on NYC Prep might not be as glamorous or attractive, but I just feel like they were as messy. Yeah, it's super messy. By the way, it's so weird that this show was a Bravo show. And when I was doing, just because it feels off-brand for them in some ways, like thinking about the fact that these kids mostly were underage and situations that they were in, I can't imagine production was like the most professional environment. (laughs) And when you also i don't know i did some research last night because it was like what are these people up to and i guess after the show sebastian became an intern at watch what happens live right oh yeah no i did my i did my reading about where are they now i was really hoping to get like more information but most of them are pretty private now yeah i don't blame them i feel like it's like the princesses of long island like if you're a one season wonder and you have the opportunity to break away why wouldn't you yeah for me, the show like kind of was a perfect one season show. Do you think it was canceled because like, you know, it just didn't fit on Bravo? Do you think it would have had a chance on like MTV or? I think it probably would have had a better chance on an MTV. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because that they're more accustomed to working with younger talent. I think that this um, just felt weird. And also, I don't think the arc really lent to having more seasons i'm not really sure who we were supposed to continue to follow i think it was gonna set up camille as okay camille and kelly are the seniors now yeah we don't have pc and jesse who are arguably the most fun and interesting like we're we're gonna get into it because we're gonna like kind of just graze over the series a little bit but i remember i 
was first introduced to the show because they had a preview special on iTunes that was like free, but it kind of spoiled half the season. Like it just showed all the really good stuff. So I went in kind of having a bit of an idea, but just seeing all of these kids in the con, like it was just such a fun time. I think uh, me and Abby, of course, cover so many of these canceled shows and oftentimes it's like, I get it. But with this show, it was just so, it was pure fun top to bottom. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of material in there for sure. For I those think, who, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna kind of paint the picture. You know, for those who don't know, uh, again, the show is about NYC prep school students, and it opens with with these people that we're talking about, Jesse and PC. They're kind of our leads. Um, they're they're the staple of the show. They're kind of I feel like what everything revolves around, and and it opens with them at a wine bar. <laughs> and they're 18, which <laughs> is an iconic opening to this show. It's just like, what are these two people doing here? And I thought what PC is- was drinking wine in that scene, but I could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, um, kids all have fake IDs and yeah. are out drinking when they're like 14 years old. Yeah. Um, but Jessie is, she loves fashion. She's the fashion girl of the bunch. <laughs> she has her girl at Barney. And those scarf necklace combos that she layers are telling the story. Uh, they really are. She's co-chair of Operation Smile, um, which is a big deal for her. That's what her world revolves around. Um, and it opens with her being worried about college, but PC like doesn't care. He realizes that, you know, they can just buy their way in, but Jessie really wants to earn it. <laughs> and and PC is our bad boy, you know. Like Jesse, I would say that he he has the best fashion. He had the most sort of refined style. Like I would yeah. say, Jesse was someone who was very trend dependent for someone who wanted to like actually ha- have real estate in the fashion. <laughs> like it was very, um, you know, sh- a lot of those like saggy knitted caps that people. <laughs> back then and just like even she wasn't even the most fashion forward in the group let alone for the person who yeah entitled to career in fashion it felt so safe but then I have to like put myself in the mindset of 2009 like this is what people were wearing in 2009 it's so scary to think about just the shirt with the jacket with the six necklaces and the six like chunky extremely sparkly bracelets and then also the scarf and also the hat and also the headband and the headband has to be glittery and like sticking out of your head but okay that's like what you and I wore in Massachusetts that's not what (laughs) I expect from like a Manhattan kid and also I wanted to fucking rip that gold cuff bracelet off oh my god it was like it was this like long gold cuff bracelet that was probably like three inches long. It was very, you know, thick and chunky and blah, blah, blah. But like, I felt like she didn't even take it off to shower. Like it just was such an afterthought in all of her outfits and it looked so cheap. And I, it yeah. just like that gold cuff in by the end of it, I was enraged. It looked I so remember- cheap and it was probably $600 is the scary part. Yeah. I remember once she did take it off, but to compensate, she had three silver bands on the other <laughs> arm. Like that was her compromise. She has to be weighted on one side at all times for like, in order to be upright. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, 
I love a good discount shopper, but why is this girl wearing jewelry that from Canal Street? Like, I don't understand. I never yeah. need to see a cuff. I also need to talk about her bedroom. Oh, yeah. Because of the weird, like, menstrual sort of red splotches on the wall. Her wallpaper <laughs> yeah. was so disturbing. I want to understand. And I just don't think I'm ever going to understand what motivates a person to get that, that wallpaper very trendy at the time yeah like I think that that sort of style was a little bit out of the box for an average teenager's room but it it was really unfortunate in terms of just it looked like blood stains on the wall it's like these like Rorschach test sort of like ink spots um which is like an interesting that would have been so interesting in almost any other color but um, <laughs> but in crimson it's like ooh. And it does make me think that maybe she was one of those kind of rich kids that I definitely grew up around that get to redo their bedroom like every year. Yeah. Like every like nine months, they just get like a full new wallpaper, new bedding, like new vibe. It's just kind of representative of of the experience of watching the show, of watching these really wealthy people have just the most hideous homes, have the worst taste. Um, It's a reflection of her inner chaos. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and chaos it is because her and PC uh, we just watched like who's afraid of Virginia Woolf so that's what it felt like watching these two like they were who's afraid of Virginia Woolf like Like, they were just like in love but then he was throwing water bottles at her and she was slapping him (laughs) but but then they were just like so adamant about that that we know that they're really mature does he throw that water bottle at her in the first scene is that like Like, right or that might be the end of, of the first episode. He throws a water bottle at her and then she calls him on the phone sobbing because she's, yeah, she just feels so like, disrespected. Because like we don't, we wouldn't understand because we we're not from Manhattan. Like that's also <laughs> the other thing. It's like, oh, you wouldn't understand why we're both mature and beat the shit out of each other in public. It's we're, we're Manhattan kids. Okay. That's how we yeah. do things. So we shift from PC and Jesse and we meet Kelly, um, who is 16 and she's cute. She's petite. You know, she wants to be a singer. And I would say that despite being, you know, I I think she is talented. I think she has a pretty good voice, but at the end of the day, I feel like to be a good artist, you have to have taste. And once again, like, I don't, I don't see any of these kids having that. But you know what, by the end, she has that like that moment where she's performing at the end, she's looking super cute. Her stylist is there. So, you know, she's working on her image. She has her growth. Kelly with an exclamation mark is her, is her performance name. They didn't end up going with the exclamation point though. And she has that one song. She has one song on Spotify that you can listen to. You have to hunt for it. Um, My favorite part is that on her Spotify artist page, it's the one song she has and then right below it is a song by a different Kelly that's like a gospel album. That's like a, it, I believe it's like um, a recorded sermon of some sort. But And then below that, it's just remixes of the first song. So I think she's killing it. I mean, honestly, if her being Jewish aside, I feel like if she went in the Christian rock route, like that would probably be where she has the most opportunity to thrive. Because her voice is palatable, but she not, not there's nothing else there. Like she is, you know, she's not someone who's like personality I would be, you know, super empowered by or intrigued by. Um, 
you know, there's only so much styling could do. I actually think that the voice coach she hired seemed like she could have a roster of really talented people on it. But um, it was like when she said the exclamation point thing, I said, you might want to, you know, to myself, I said, you might want a, a different image consultant. Right. But, you know, she could probably teach you how to sing and <laughs> not a hit. But in terms of image, I wouldn't rely on her. It didn't seem like that was going to be an effective pop angle if she wanted to make pop music. And I just, like, she has a really nice, her voice is nice, but it doesn't lend itself to pop music to begin with. So I almost kind of wondered if that vocal coach was going to take her more down the road of, like, recording an album of standards or something. I mean, this was also around the time Lady Gaga popped off, and she was probably a very good example for just, like, Manhattan kids who like work hard and sang and, and, you know, I feel like Lady Gaga could have totally been in a room with that woman once, you know, working on her range. Imagine if instead of Gaga, we got Kelly. I know, right? How Can different would America be? How different would we be? How different would the gays be? Like that, that universe, like, I don't even want to know, but I'm, but I'm so curious about what it would look like. Yeah. That's a real sliding doors moment. <laughs> Um, so Kelly goes to dinner and we are introduced to cue the drum roll, cue the slow motion because Sebastian is walking through the door. Cue the wind machine. Um, I have the least to say about Sebastian because I just feel like out of all of them, he has what we call in the business, no identifiable personality traits to me. Like, he just wants to hook up with girls, and that seems to kind of make up most of his identity. Which what do you mean? I, He's French, okay? <laughs> his brand is that his mom is French, duh. My absolute favorite moment for him was when he, later in the series, when he goes on a date with a girl, and she's also knows how to speak French. And he just says to the camera, he's like, yeah, there's not going to be a second date. Like, I don't know what to do. She speaks French. That ruins everything for me. It I no longer me. have my angle, my move. Yeah. Yeah. What is he supposed to do? When His French must not be that good. Another French speaking person. Oh yeah. No, that's, that's for sure. Also part of it is that, you know, he just I, didn't want to, he didn't want to be exposed. Okay. Here's something about Sebastian that was very subtle and it actually isn't about Sebastian. It's his dad. Did you notice that Sebastian's dad gave him the same, like, I want to fuck you look that like Trump gives Ivanka, like the way that a nurse sort of looks at their kid with like an extra spicy look in their eye. And it's because they're like really seeing like the best parts of them projected into another human being and that sort of pride that they have in it. I don't think I saw it in the moment, but I, looking back, it's not, it's not something that would shock me. I'm surprised we didn't I, I, at least that I didn't see it. I feel like I've been so deep in the Lifetime BC Andrew cinematic universe that <laughs> you should have picked up on the incestuous vibe. Yeah. I mean, I was uncomfortable with the dad and I was expecting when they had that first like dinner together, I was expecting Sebastian to turn around and be like, my dad's controlling or my dad puts pressure on me. And then when he turned to the camera and was like, my dad is great and he just wants what's best for me. And I love my dad. I was like, wait, what? No daddy issues. Like it, it felt unexpected to me, but when you see the way he treats women and the way he thinks about women, it kind of makes sense that he would be so close to his dad. 
Well, he does talk at kind of a half speed. So, you know, it's like, what, what is he overanalyzing? <laughs> you know, what doesn't he want to slip? Yeah, the sexuality of these kids kind of freaked me out. Like, I mean, I know we'll get to Camille in a moment, but um, yeah, like, you know, just the amount of casual sex, it seemed like they were having, I don't know. I, um, I know that at one point, you know, a bunch of people were sort of pointed out as virgins. And I know Sebastian definitely referred to like giving Kelly a closed lip or Taylor a closed lipped kiss goodnight. Um, they viewed that as hooking up, but it did seem like um, Sebastian probably gets around a bit and doesn't use condoms. Well, at first I was confused because they, they so loosely threw out the word hook up. And of course, when the show started, I, I didn't realize how much of it they would be probably omitting because of the underage factors. So I was like, are these kids like, is that closed mouth kiss just their version of hooking up? But by the end, I was like, oh, we're just like not seeing so much of this. How do yeah. we, like, I definitely feel like there was a clear divide. Like, I think PC was hooking up. I think Sebastian was hooking up. I think we don't Camille really know with was Kelly. doing something. Camille, yeah, Camille <laughs> apparently was dude with her secret wild side. Dude, Camille is literally a freak. Like, I can <laughs> promise you that. She seems like, I mean, the way that she's like, you know, sometimes just like a one night thing. I'm like, what are you, like a 35-year-old? Calm down. Like, what do you mean? You Like, how are you, um, you know, just so comfortable with one night stands at 16 years old? That is, you just need to like, there's something going on there. Like a 15-year-old sex addict is kind of alarming. <laughs> I will say when we were first introduced to Camille, she was lighting a candelabra. So instantly I was, I was like, oh, this is my favorite. Mm -hmm. um, I trust her with my life. And it was clear, like the way that PC was kind of set up as a Chuck archetype, like Camille, I feel like was supposed to be our Blair Waldorf, but like rather than functioning off the words of a 30 to 40 year old man in a writer's room, like and being played by Leighton Meester, Camille was just kind of awkward. But, like, she also reminded me of an ex-roommate that I, like, can't even get into on this podcast. She um, she just, like, resembled girls that I went to high school with so much. Like, she felt like the girl that I most knew personally. Yeah, she was very, you know, pretty and, you know, just clean cut. Um and she very, just wants to go to Harvard. Very proud of her. She was very proud of herself. I think mm -hmm. that's a big thing with Camille, too. Like, she had no self-esteem issues, seemingly. <laughs> and it's like, sometimes you need that. It's good for... It's, it's unnerving, I would say. To see a teenager with no complex, like, that's a little bit unnerving. And, you know, if you can operate that way, that's great. But I do like a little bit of... Um, you know, neurosis in people that isn't just like success driven. I think she is as a Capricorn, I resent people who have those characteristics because should they also be a Capricorn, like all of us go down for it. Um, she had major like stereotypes of a Capricorn vibes. Mm -hmm. What did you think of Taylor? Um, you know, I thought Taylor was very sweet. Um, I, you know, when she said she was taking 13 dance classes <laughs> a week and that she needed to, if anything, add more dance, I was like, oh, okay. Um, 
that's covering something that's covering for something. But, um, yeah, I mean, I thought she seemed very sweet and she was had a lot on her plate and was managing it. 13 dance classes plus gymnastics, plus a boyfriend, plus she's juggling another guy, plus she's infiltrating the prep school scene. That's got to take up a lot of her time. She's the one it's interesting post show. She's the one that dropped off, like absolutely no social media presence, like no online presence. We don't know where she is. She ended up with the only thing we know is that she ended up transferring to a different, more sort of flexible school that was like less academic driven. And Camille is the one that like continues to tweet about NYC prep. She'll like do AMAs on Instagram. Well, you know what she does is she's the marketing person for Airbon, which is a fucking MLM. Fascinating. He's like the in-house strategist for Airbon, which is like a major MLM. I'm like not surprised that she's like super successful. She ended up going to the College of William and Mary. She did not get into Harvard, unfortunately. I know that that was like her... Her I know. One I goal. Was like, William and Mary. When I looked that up last night, I was like, wow, she fell from grace, which is so <laughs> cunty because that's a perfectly good school. But, um, you know, for someone who was so sure about her academic greatness, I find it um, so strange, but also not that strange that she would be high up in a pyramid scheme because you know those people make great money. If you're it's like, like I guess Scarlett was right. You know, like you can apply. Good luck, but you won't get in. Oh my God, Scarlett. That was the rude awakening that Camille needed. And she was so offended that someone would say that to her. And I'm like, honestly, girl, maybe you should listen a little closer because maybe she's telling the truth. Maybe she's right. Well, I love that meeting because she she was like, you know, I'm the type of person that can go to Harvard and not be molded by my surroundings and instead mold those around me. And it's like, what are you talking about? But you know what? That's the pyramid scheme mentality. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Back to Taylor, though, because so she is the only non prep school kid. She goes to public school. Um, My favorite thing about her is that when the show opens, she um, tells Sebastian, who she will, you know, start having a flirtationship with, um, that she wants to be a philosopher. Which, of course, he's blown away to learn that, like, this girl can read. But then she decides that she wants to be an elephant trainer. And then by the end of the show, she's taking all those dance classes. So she, I guess, just wants to go to college and dance and be a superstar. So I love Taylor. I found her to be so entertaining. And the thing about her is there was something about the way she talked to the camera. I don't know if it it was being nervous so much, but it was like the essence of like a high school actor who wasn't very good. Like there was just something about her that I'm like, do you believe what you're saying? Yeah. I, I um, also sort of appreciated that she was the only person on the cast with like a really noticeable accent. Yeah. And for some reason, when someone has an accent and they're being fake, it's so much more obvious. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, yeah, I agree. There was something, um, uncomfortable about her, um, where she just really, yeah, I think she was trying to be something for sure. Uh, it's like, she didn't want to, it seems like she just didn't want to be there despite her kind of essence being the social climber of the group and wanting to do everything, you know, for her social standing in the prep school scene. I'm just so curious about how they got her like 
did they find her at a casting call? And then she had to become friends with all these prep school kids in order to be on the show. Or did know. she already know these kids before the show started? Because it just kind of seems so random. I don't know. I will say, though, I didn't see her as a social climber. If anything, I saw her as someone that prep school kids were oddly interested in. And I would say that, like, honestly, the way that Taylor read to me was like that girl that no matter where she goes, people are oddly interested in her. Like, I could see her kind of unnerving the Kellys and the Camilles of the world because they're like, who is this, like, random? Uh, (laughs) it's true that by the end she didn't seem to really care you know about pc about anyone but pc cared about her he always was like i'm gonna take taylor under my wing he made her his project he was like he was obsessed with her but he was emotionally involved because when she doesn't come to his party at the end he's like so infuriated and crushed i mean he clearly it's like the way jesse wanted to control him he wanted to control taylor it's just like this vicious cycle but it is like the way she talked, she would always talk about, oh, this will elevate my social status. I need to get in with these prep school kids for this reason. But then her behavior by the end, she does seem more like a free spirit, more like she's doing her own thing. And she's not really afraid of other people's opinions. Uh, well, after spending so much time at these dinner parties with these people, it's like I would also be like, peace out. Like, I just want to go thrift shopping. Yeah. Well, you do have to wonder, have these kids just never seen anybody that goes to public school before? Like, have they just only ever been at dinner parties with children of billionaires? And that's why they find her so fascinating. Sebastian's friend, when he said, like, public school girls are just, like, emotional and private school girls are just, like, Jewish and don't care about anything. (laughs) Well, that was a great quote because he's like, is she one of those girls, you know, that like wants to take webcam photos and like (laughs) lean against their boyfriend to post on Facebook? It's like, what is this man talking about? Just oddly (laughs) specific that he's somehow picked up on the fact that public school girls like post on social media, their boyfriends and private school girls have secret lovers that they won't talk about. Like that was, (laughs) that was what I was like, is that the difference? Yeah, they get ran through at private school and don't say a peep. Like, it's so strange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, just a little uh, side thing about Camille, because I just ran into this information on the internet. I didn't realize she graduated with a degree in neuroscience. Well, her dream was to, um, by the time she's 40, be the head of a like genetics company, be married and have two girls. And she works for Airbus. Like, that is so depressing. They must be paying her majorly. She's utilizing that neuroscience degree. You know, what can we say? Yeah, it it is bizarre. I mean, I do think at the end of the day, probably just comes down to money and like, how can I make more money and just continue to to be on top? But she does have a long-term boyfriend now. So she might be on her way to her to her plan, her 20-year plan. Oh, well, that's good. Of being married with three girls by 40. <laughs> well, one person who kind of is doing what they set out to do is Jessie. Isn't she working for a luxury? It says that she is a merchandiser for a luxury fashion brand. Which makes sense. I don't think she was ever going to be a designer. Like, I think it was always her. She was going to work in yeah, PR. she wanted to work in PR or merchandising. Yeah. She, despite, you know, maybe not having the most attractive personality, I did have a level of respect for her because she was actively working towards 
what she wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, you know, she's, she's given a lot of opportunities, but there just seems to be a passion, like a fire in her eyes. I was amused by her interview where she was interviewing for an internship and she's like, yeah, I'm seven years younger than these girls and, and have the same level of experience. When she calls them pathetic for not, for having the same amount of experience as her and she's in high school. I did admire her single-minded focus. Like I would, I would love to, to like know what I want. So, so much to be able to focus on one thing at 17, like to have that kind of focus is a huge benefit. Yeah. My best friend was super into tennis. Like that was like life, dude. Tennis was her life. And is it still, is that the thing? I mean, I don't know. Uh, we haven't we haven't spoken in a, in a while. Like, she went to college for it. Like, yeah, tennis was her goddamn life. I, I at the end of the day, like, I'm glad that I've explored different stuff and that my options are open in life. And like, but I, but I do often think about those people that you go to school with who know from like their sophomore year of high school, like, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to go to college. And then by the time they're 40, like they're doing exactly what they set out to do. Having that one central goal seems like a superpower to me. I think about when I was younger, I did gymnastics and ultimately couldn't afford to continue, but it's like, where would I be if, you know, I was a competitive gymnast, who would I be? Would I, would you ever have seen NYC prep? Uh, probably not. And at the end of the day, you would be too busy tumbling. <laughs> Much like Taylor, except, oh my gosh, I thought her gymnastics team was hilarious. Like, look, not to come for these girls, but it's like they were tumbling on a hard gym floor and their tumbling was also kind of just like a cartwheel and then a split. It just felt to me like, like maybe this is something, Taylor, that you can give up, you know, in favor of your grades. But at the end of the day, I'm not here to judge anyone's athletic choices. I felt for her so bad when her ex-boyfriend showed up to her event because like, I was like, this is not a supportive move. This is like <laughs> emotionally gas. Like this is crazy. Like you're holding her emotionally hostage at her fucking tumbling event. Like what the hell? I thought that was like so strange. Like she looked like she wanted to cry. That was a big thing with Taylor was that her face couldn't contain her emotions. Like I- she would get so red. I felt like she seemed near tears whenever she was around Cole. And it's true that like he showed up at her meet and then wanted to talk about the relationship like right before she was going to do her tumbling routine. And I was like, way to psych her out. Well, there was that moment where we kind of just find out how awful Cole is when PC throws that party and Cole and Taylor show up. And first of all, him and his friends are making fun of PC for like, wearing eyeliner well they like fully call him a homo or something right yeah they're very like just being toxic dudes um yeah there was like there was a few moments of um just like bro homophobic behavior in this show but that was like probably the worst by far the treatment of pc's bisexuality on the show is something that it came, it, it seemingly came up out of nowhere, right? There was just like the promos of like, of, of possibly his lover in Mexico being like, yeah, he's bisexual. And then PC being like so uncomfortable that it was like even mentioned on camera. I mean, PC never, I don't think PC ever addressed himself as bisexual. No, but he so, does have, he does have one moment on his like talking head where he's like, I'm, I'm a natural flirt and I'm comfortable with my sexuality. And it did seem like he was a little bit like wink, wink, like I know who I am and I'm okay with it. 
Yeah, and he did marry a he did marry a woman. Um, although it did seem somewhat, I don't know, maybe companionate in the way that he talked about marrying her and the statement he made. Like I, I read the a couple articles about it, and it seems like they were open about the fact that it was like a platonic marriage and that there's nothing romantic between them and that they don't have sex. Yeah, because she's engaged to someone else now. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he's present in her life at all anymore. And that was only two years ago that they got married. Yeah. I think it was, to me, it felt more like a joke. Like they were just in Vegas and they got married at like their buddy's birthday party. Yeah, it was a little thou dost protest too much in his um, statement because he was like, this was a sober decision that was, I was like, okay, (laughs) okay. Calm the fuck down. Like, we get it. You clearly got married in Vegas on a whim and are trying to And Tiffany Trump was there. I will say, I feel, I, I feel for, uh, I feel for, um, Tiffany Trump. Like, I kind of don't hold her situation against her. No, I mean, it's, it's not her fault. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, he, he sees interesting. I, so his, all of the articles about like, where are they now? Just say that he has this wife that is a platonic wife and that his Instagram is private. He approved my follow request. So I don't know if these journalists are just really respectful of his privacy, that they're not trying to follow his Instagram. I forgot that I asked last night to follow him. Let's see if he approved me. Uh, Fingers crossed. The thing about PC is that he has, so while he was in Mexico over Christmas break, there's the scene with him and JP partying and there's like the drunk girl who is kind of just like wanting to dance with him and and harassing him a little bit. And he tells her that he's going to break a beer bottle over her face. And it's just like, what? (laughs) That was, that was, he did, he made several violent statements. Like when that girl takes his seat at fashion week and he's like i was gonna like i wanted to kill her i wanted to strangle her and then saying he's gonna break a beer bottle over this girl's head who like is trying to dance with him yeah he um he was violent towards women throughout the show and i mean really honestly couldn't have been more misogynistic like when he said jesse was a fat cunt because she like didn't give him the front seat the front um row during fashion week like he was sitting in probably a better seat than he would have been it was like 100 optics he threw the the word cunt around a lot toward her and to his other friend when she took his seat and it was his his like very like tunnel vision focus on having to sit in the front row at this fashion show just goes to show like how important status is to him and how important it is for him to be seen at these fashion shows this is one of those instances, I think oftentimes on teen shows, or like the scripted teen shows, it's like too much parent. I don't care about the parent. But with this being reality, it's like I was just like itching. Like I need to see who created these people. I need to see. We got a little bit of like of Camille's mom and we got a little bit of. Yes. Yeah, Jesse's mom. Um, I love that Kelly was like, yeah, my parents live in the Hamptons. I chose to live in the city, so I live with my brother. And and seeing them on the show was so... It was hilarious because <laughs> also we're trying to like pitch it like as if she lived a more humble existence than a lot of her peers. Uh, but I'm like, you live, your family is in the Hamptons and you live in like a pretty nice like two-bedroom apartment while it is, you know, 
probably it's decorated a bit like a a off-campus dorm like an off-campus apartment for a college student of like wealthy parents like this is not a humble existence you live i i, I was i wrong in sensing that no, she, I mean, she had her own apartment at 16. She lives with her brother alone in Manhattan. But you're right about her painting herself as being more humble. I, there was like, I think towards the end of the season, you know, they're talking about her flourishing, her quote unquote flourishing music career. And Camila's like, you know, you did this all on your own. <laughs> and it's like, honey, um, your parents paid for that vocal coach, that stylist. Um, what are you but talking also- about? God, I loved it when she said to Sebastian, he came out to visit her at her Hamptons house and she was explaining like she goes to the movies on um, on Christmas because she's Jewish. And she goes, you know, there's not that many Jewish people in the Hamptons. And I was like, wait, what? Um, because, I mean, I'm not really super familiar with the Hamptons, but right away, Jules and, and Michael Weinstein come to mind for um, me. That from Real Housewives in New York who did the Shabbat in their home with the Kool-Aid <laughs> I and crackers. I thought all of them were Jewish by the end of the show. I was like, oh, they're all Jewish. But I guess maybe not Sebastian and maybe not Taylor. I mean, but is Pete Jewish? I don't know. I guess I knew Jesse was Jewish and I knew Kelly was Jewish. But um, is that is that true that there's not a lot of Jewish people in the Hamptons? I would have, I have no, absolutely no clue. I, I... Yeah, I, do, I have a friend who's like boyfriend has family in the Hamptons, but I always perceive the Hamptons to be, you know, like the summer home. Like, so I was, it was interesting to me that like Kelly's parents were living there year round. And I'm like, so what does that mean? Like in, in, in terms of status? I don't know. I mean, I think uh, Countess Luann lives that life. Um, she's, you know, sort of out in the Hamptons. I think it's just like a, a quieter life. And it's probably better year round than it is like in the summer. I mean, the summer in the Hamptons is insane. Um, so I think that it's probably honestly more like Republican New Yorkers sort of like head out to the Hamptons and like go live there. Um, I I always figured just because I grew up on the Cape, like this must be like sort of the New York equivalent to like living on the Cape. I 100% agree with that statement, by the way, like 100%. I um, grew up going to Duxbury, like uh, Marshfield, Green Harbor area. And um, it's so funny because I also had a ton of friends that were like year round residents there. So I think I kind of know what you mean by like growing Mm -hmm. up on Cape Cod. But yeah, I went to high school in Falmouth. So Mm -hmm. it's like a lot of like, right, like the boat to the vineyard is right there. So it's tons of it's hugely tourists all summer long, but then a lot of people who have, who live in Falmouth and then also have a home on the vineyard and they're in the Lily Pulitzer vineyard vines 24 hours a day. And like, that's the identity. Oh God. I like probably was the only person who moved to LA with like five Lily Pulitzer. (laughs) I love when my, my West coast friends like don't know what Lily Pulitzer is. I'm like, you don't understand how lucky you are. Are you kidding me? This is like an amazing, this is like an important designer. <laughs> How do you not know who Lily Pulitzer is? It's so, it was crazy to me too. It was my fave moment. Like when Camille was getting ready for her Harvard tour that they see her going to the Lily Pulitzer store. I was like, oh, this girl has a head on her shoulders. She knows she's got to stock up on that Lily before she moves to Boston. Exactly. Exactly. Someone gave her the right advice. 
what did her friend say? She's like, I want like a navy blue nautical pashmina blanket. <laughs> and I was like, that is a lot of very specific, but also not uh, not specific words at the very same time. But I a think nail I, on the head. Yeah. Like I was like, why don't you just go buy the very specific blanket you're talking about? Like, I don't know <laughs> that there's like, you know that many options for blankets like that but it was so um for yeah. the perfect like blue blanket with a little like nautical toggles and the little tassels and I was waiting for like the Tory Burch sandals but I think Tory Burch is like too affordable for them probably but yeah that that was my it was nice to see her at Harvard too I was like oh a little glimpse a little glimpse at home but I do kind of feel like her her friend that went with them, who we kind of briefly see, like I, it's probably we can't probably get information or we have to dig a little. But I just like in my heart of hearts, like I hope she got to go to Harvard. <laughs> yeah, that girl was obnoxious. I I like every time she was on camera, I was like, oh god, you are so obnoxious. Like, but That's she a perfect sidekick for Camille, and also also like very much a high school girl. Like, if you said to me, like, just imagine, like, your average, like, like, New York City rich kid who goes to private school, it would probably be much more like that than um, a gossip girl type person. Yeah. Well, she, they have that really funny scene, and we touched on it earlier, but this is the beginning of the arc where we have Camille and her friend meeting up for, like, brunch or something, and Camille is like, you know what, I think that I want to be a boyfriend kind of girl. And then they just have a debate because Camille thinks like that's so unique. And her friend is like, I think everyone wants to be a boyfriend kind of girl. I think everyone our age is like on the hunt. And Camille is like, no, it's just me. Um, But I think it'll be easy. I just have to lower my standards, talk to guys and be nice. Her friend was so polite for restraining her herself (laughs) because she looked like she wanted to drag her because she was like, girl like you just like you don't know anyone that's interested in you that was like really the attitude where she was like yeah, I'm sure you do but no guy you've ever liked wants to be with you like that was I mean essentially what she said plus like you know she's like you know you don't I I, I mean it was kind of sad because she basically implied that Camille doesn't really want these one night stands she just takes what she can get and that bummed me out I know like, I was gutted I I don't know I felt I felt emotionally I felt for Camille a little bit oh totally and then she does go on the one date and with Dan who kind of just like looks like a low resolution that was Sebastian (laughs) it was truly that was truly my favorite scene because of just the sheer the way they cut it together the sheer amount of times that he asks her if she's having a good time yeah are you having fun are you having fun are you happy to be here it's like, ugh, I mean, I wish you were smarter. She's so repulsed <laughs> that he wants to go to George Washington. I know. And that his only hobby is hanging out. She's like, my God. Why did Dan look like 45? <laughs> he looked kind of like fried. He did. He did look fried. He looked like he also like needed to drink water and like exfoliate. I just felt the- like he was probably smoking weed like I felt like him and Sebastian were smoking a lot more weed than than that we were allowed to know 
Yeah, I mean, didn't they catch people smoking weed at the operation? Yeah, thing? yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't them. But I was like, they're definitely like Sebastian's definitely smoking some weed because he was just so like mellow and kind yeah. of monotone all the time. And I'm like, and he just didn't seem to really be emotionally invested or care too much about anything. And I was like, yeah, like he is a stoner, and like that's okay, that's kind of his thing. But they never talk about it. They never say it on the show. The thing about Dan is that he, I saw him and immediately, I feel like similar to Camille, I was probably repulsed as well, that I just didn't trust him. So that when him and PC were talking about Camille being like freaky, I just like, I I didn't want, I didn't believe him. You know, I was like, this guy is full of shit. He's probably just like bragging to his friend about nonsense. I think they absolutely fucked. Like I, I absolutely 100% think that. And I think that's why, like, Camille shut down so aggressively the conversation at her dinner party about, you know, who's a virgin, who's not. Like, she was like, we're not talking about this. This is not dinner table etiquette. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's because, you know, you love to, you love, like, a little casual sex, Camille. Come on now. Um, I do want that show. I want that show. Camille's Secret Life. Thank you for listening to Dearly Departed. If you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe on your preferred pod listening platform and check out our Instagram page at Dearly Departed The Pod. And if you're feeling extra saucy, leave us a review and make sure to share with friends, family, and even enemies. Now, back to the nonsense. You know, there's a moment with um, PC's therapist, which there is nothing that I love more than a TV therapist. I think it's so, (laughs) it's so bizarre and you just have to question like the ethics of it. Um, But, you know, he was like telling her that he just like thinks that NYC is a bubble and that everyone's the same pompous asshole. And he's just like tired of everyone being a CEO. And it's like, is he aware that (laughs) he can just talk to different people? It's just like how inbred these like wealth circles are. Like he is only ever talking to the same people all the time. Of course he thinks New York is one way. Dude, PC is a nightmare person. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you always assume when you see a kid like that, like, I don't know if this is so fucked up, but like, is it immoral for, or like, I don't know, unethical for a therapist to just straight up be like, well, PC, like, are you gay? Like, <laughs> what's with, like, the rage, dude? Like, he is so misogynistic. Yeah. Such, like, and, and you know, you see that, and you're like, I see your pain, babe. Like, it's okay. Like, in a couple years, you're going to be more open with your life. But I feel like we watched PC uh, start a Coke addiction around <laughs> episode seven when he started hanging out with Devora, and then of course Devora, hundred and ten percent for sure. Devora just—I mean, wow, her career on Broadway. Oh, I know. And also, um, who was the um, name of the hairstylist? Ted Gibson, who did the Operation Smile fashion show. Yes, he was right. also on Real Housewives of DC. Oh yeah. my God, I am such a moron. We should—I mean, I'm happy we're doing this. But if you ever <laughs> have me back, we have to do Real Housewives of DC. Um, that's not a question. We would love to have you back and talk about the Real Housewives of DC. I mean, because I, first of all, it's so, um, it's so crazy to watch (laughs) given, you know, where we're at right now and how much tension there was around 
um, the sole black cast member um, and the British woman cat on that show. Um, but just like the Mikkel Salahi of it all, breaking into the black caucus dinner and with her husband and like <laughs> that whole crazy relationship. I think Tarek died. Her husband died. Um, uh, maybe I'm making that up. I don't know. I was thinking it would be funny to do a bit that Kelly passed away. I don't know why, but uh, <laughs> that character, she, so, you know, she was the one who got it all started on this show because she was friends with Ali Zarin. Kelly got it all started. Kind of. Well, I mean, like she was introduced, maybe it was probably, I don't know. It was probably more like PC and Jesse, but I, I feel like K Kelly was the one who was ushered in through other Bravo talent. Interesting. Cause Kelly's storyline on the show, I would say are, are pretty dry compared Not to a lot happens, but I like her a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think she's okay. I thought, you know, it's like, it was tough with the Taylor of it all because Taylor was just like the unlikely sort of the star. Uh, yeah. Like also like, you know, you wouldn't think like the public school girl would be the one that like half the cast of guys is fighting over um, <laughs> and drawn to um, PC being like, so drawn to her was so interesting to me. I uh, definitely feel like she was our window in, like we're supposed to relate to her as the viewer as like our window into these crazy prep school kids. And like, she's an outsider and she doesn't come from all this money. Oh, for sure. Like that's exactly what her purpose was. And when rewatching this, I feel like Kelly seemed a little bit more like that's probably who most people would relate to. Yeah. Cause it was like, just so um, petty the way that she like, kind of put it over the fact that Sebastian had the audacity to like tailor more than her. And I think yeah. that that's very, I think that's like normal people behavior. For what it's worth, having been a teenager at one point, <laughs> I didn't relate to them at all. There's, there's nothing about their lives that I could really relate to, except that, oh, they are teenagers. And so they have like the teenager brain and they're a little bit like, they're very obsessed with age, very obsessed with growing up. But you know, like through just the way they cut these shows, who yeah. you're supposed to feel a way about. I mean, yeah. I oh, definitely yeah. wouldn't say that I deeply related to any of these people. <laughs> no. um, but I actually felt really close to all of them and I'm hurt. That <laughs> <laughs> Wait, though, I need to know more about what you guys thought about PC. PC to me is the star. He's the scene stealer. He's messy he is so rude he pisses me off I feel like we're supposed to see some character growth from him just with his relationship from Jesse and then at the end when he apologizes to her boss and tries to make up with her but they're just growing apart because he likes to party and hang out with older women and like she cares about college um but I do think he was the most interesting to me out of all of them it's funny because he was just like clearly set up to be a Chuck Bass type, but I just kept seeing and he's like, nothing Thomas of Decker. the sort. I just keep kept seeing Thomas Decker energy. Like what? Like so, Jesse around the time when she went to Palm Beach for, um, I guess winter break. Um, she they start her friends started this thing where she's like, I think you're in love with PC, and she was like, No, I'm not, and. I mean, I mean, was she in love with PC? Like, what do we think about that? 
I don't think she, I don't, ugh, it's I so don't hard. think she was. I went so back and forth. I was like, wait, are they in love? But I really do think that they were just really, really like close friends. Like the, that kind of dedication to each other can look so much like being in love. But then I think about like me and Roberto's friendship and like how interdependent we are. And I feel like they just had been friends for a really long time, but I don't think there was really anything romantic between them. Like once you get to the She's end, you're really kind of like, possessive. yeah. But like, did you not feel in the first episode when he says to her, she's like all upset in the back of the car that they're in. And he says to her, like, do you want to make out for a minute? It reminds <laughs> me of like those moms that like, just like keep their breast milk active. So if they're three-year-old <laughs> tantrum, they can like food their three-year-olds with their breast milk. Like I honestly was like, whatever it is you're offering is like therapeutic. It's not romantic. It's like, yeah. she's in love with you and you know it and you'll fall on the sword and make out with her if it'll like calm her down. And that was like such an interesting insight to their relationship for me. And the whole, you know, I've been saving his ass. Like she has something on him and I'm not sure what it is, but like their relationship is very demented. And it did feel to me like she had some feelings for him. Maybe they, you know, hooked up when they were younger sort of thing. Yeah. Um, Well, they say at the beginning that they're exes. Yeah. And I think that like they were holding on to, um, that in a in a strange way it felt like unrequited love yeah. honestly i mean there's like a mutual obsession and she wants to like own him and control him for sure and that is like well yeah central to her like her arc she is so possessive of, of him but he i think he just enjoys the attention you know he enjoys oh, for the sure. fact that he can roll in an hour late and that jesse will still be sitting there waiting and she'll him. always come back and she'll always like want to keep tabs on him but I it mean, does seem like she wants to control his choices yeah and the way that she spoke to him when she was angry with him like no one would speak to me like that like i couldn't <laughs> allow any like that's just so out of pocket to one even feel like you need to explain to this person why it's rude to be an hour late, but two, just sort of like the punishing mom sort of tone that she took. Like I would nope out of a friendship so fast if someone felt comfortable talking to me like that. Yeah. Yeah. What got to me is she's, she's always like, I don't want you to go out with them and I don't want you to be friends with these people. And I don't want you to not go to college. And it's like, who cares what you want? It's so weird that she would think that what she wants him to do bears any kind of relevance to what he does. Like it just, it felt so strange to me. Like none of my friends would ever be like, I don't want you to party with these people. And I don't want you to have these friends. Like they just would never have the space to make that kind of statement. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like I, I hate to speculate, but I feel like it was brought up to us. Like he was, like with that guy in Mexico, right? Like that was the subtext of that. Uh, I can only hope. That was the vibe that I picked up just because that guy was like, he's bi and he had like saying like PC has a boyfriend. And then when when a girl was approaching him, he was like, fuck off to the girl, like really trying to send her away when they were at that club in Mexico. 
Yeah, it was like, and then also the girls from Texas that were talking. <laughs> right. And he was like, I mean, I don't know what to say. It's like Texas, you know? And I'm sort of like, <laughs> there's a lot of money in Dallas, actually. <laughs> Fucking weirdo. But yeah. that is that sort of East Coast elitism for sure. Yeah. But, you know, I, the, the PC thing, there's so much anger in him. Yeah. And yeah. um, I was really like just, I don't know. I found it hard to watch because I feel like there was so much that he wanted to say or that made no sense about him. And it was like clear projection and a lot of like burying of emotions and like causing shit for no reason. It and felt I- very censored. It did. It like there like- was so much we weren't seeing between the lines. And then there was also a lot of really obvious sort of drug use that was happening with him. Like he kind of seemed tweaky in a few of the scenes where they were just filming outside and it did look very cold to be standing there. But there was that one moment when he was talking to his brunette friend, whose mom, maybe it was, yeah. Whose mom represents the Russian restaurant that they all (laughs) went to for Camille's dinner party. And at one point he says to her like can we move i'm fucked and like i just thought like oh that's like someone who is on a stimulant who just wants to keep talking (laughs) and then like kind of whispered to him um and they subtitled it she was like is that vodka in your bag and i was like oh fuck it's like pc getting fucked up like yeah definitely no i think he definitely wasn't i know i said i couldn't relate to any of them but i'm now making this connection i grew up on cape cod Uh uh-huh so i didn't grow up with money but i was adjacent to like so much of that and it is really starting to make sense to me like of course he was doing a bunch of drugs partying with older people and i don't think that this production with what they were allowed to show since they were all underage was like prepared for perhaps like how edgy his lifestyle was and like what kind of shit he was getting into because they couldn't show any of that on camera. And it of course made Jesse look crazier being so worried about him, but being worried about things that we couldn't, that see we couldn't see. see. Yeah. Jesse is like the worst. I mean, <laughs> I really talk about Jesse for like an hour. She is the worst. So we have all of these, you know, we have these clicks, right? We have PC and Jesse, and then kind of on the other side, we have Camille and Kelly. And then I guess Sebastian kind of runs in their circles. Um, but out of fashion event, we we kind of see these strict divides because Jesse has no interest in being friends with Kelly and Camille. Um, she is she's in her senior year, you know, she's focused on Operation Smile, like she could not be bothered to get to know these girls. Um, but of course, Kelly and Camille are so excited. You know, Jesse and PC are kind of like prep school royalty. Um, you know, he's a playboy. And I, I guess Jesse is known to be a bitch. This this time was such an unfortunate time for sort of personal branding and what people were willing to call themselves and refer to themselves as and what like roles they really leaned into. And I feel like Jesse really thought that it would be favorable for her to lean into this. I'm a bitch brand. And, um, it just, you know, like watching it now, it's so ugly. It was ugly at the time, but in a sort of kitschy way. 
Um, I just don't think there's anything healthy or interesting about how these people were portrayed at the end of the day. Like even the CT therapy thing, it felt like such a strange story through line um, that was so manufactured and just wound up aging terribly. <laughs> the thing with Jesse is they they kept leading so hard into her being really like untrusting and not wanting to make new friends and wanting to sort of vet everyone in her life before she would allow them to be her friend which yeah, is just such a curious that. quality to me I don't know anybody like that 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 would be like I don't want to be friends with anyone new and anyone that PC talks to I need to like have a ba- background check on them yeah, I mean, I understand the notion of, like, I don't need more friends. Like, I I understand that. I feel like I know people who have said that. And I feel like good times I've said that, where I'm sort of like, my social calendar's booked a little bit. And I, I don't really need to, like, take on new people right now. But, you know, I think that was, like, really one of the only things she could wield in terms of power was, like, you know, whether or not someone was worth her time. Um, And I think that she was selective for a variety of reasons. But, you know, being a senior, it is a little true that you're, you're less inclined to like, add on more high school baggage before you go off the age of your life. Yeah. And to be friending like random underclassmen from random public schools. Like I understand why she just doesn't get what piece, like why PC is so involved with Taylor. Yeah, and why Kelly would she want anything to do with that? Yeah, and Kelly and Camille, like, why would you, why would you drag these individuals into your life if you didn't have to? Like, I was amused by her technique, though. Like, I just think there's a way to not add people to your life without being so outwardly awful. <laughs> well, again, yeah, I think that was her leaning into like the bitchy branding. Like, I'm yeah. good in the fashion world, and I've got to make calls, honey. Okay. Like, I have to decide whether or not I have time in my life for this. Like, there was an interesting moment where she said, I was there to network. Like, and that's a very, um, you know, it's a practical sort of adult thought that comes across really poorly in the scheme of this show where everyone else is acting like they're there to build friendships. Um, But the hovering around operation smile which was like you know the cause du jour like that was everyone was an operation smile person back then it felt like every celebrity was obsessed with cleft palates and by the way um operation smile is incredible and if you've ever seen like a cleft palate surgery like what that can do for a child it's unbelievable um but yeah, it it back then it was like Operation Smile was the end all be all charity. And I'm not sure how it happened. Um, but it just like took over everything. That makes sense now thinking about Camille because you know, her storyline for most of the season was like trying to get close to Jesse so that she can, you know, help with Operation Smile. And it's like, girl, I'm sure there are other charities. Like this girl does right. not like you. <laughs> no, it was like one of those things where Operation Smile popped up overnight and anyone who was a celebrity or wanted to be a celebrity was obsessed with Operation Smile. It was, I I can't think of another charity outside of maybe like the Susan B. Komen Breast Cancer mm-hmm. Fund or whatever. I, I can't really think of anything else that was that 
clouded, honestly. It was like such a, a clout move to work with Operation Smile. And Camille is so open to the show about the fact that she wants to do it for her college application. Like it's so, she's like, yeah, my college advisor told me that I need more volunteer for my college application. So I need to get into Operation Smile. And if I don't get into Operation Smile, I'm not getting into Harvard. And then at the end- And that's exactly what happened. Exactly, exactly what happened. And then at the end, she gets, she's at this Operation Smile event and somehow it's Jesse's fault that she never got involved with Operation Smile, but we never really see Jesse like blocking her involvement. We just see her asking PC to hook her up and then not really making any other moves. Well, she was like, she met up with her to talk about it. And basically Jesse was like, okay, it's on you. Like go join the Facebook group. Like this is how you get involved. And then Camille was like, it's so weird. Jesse never reached out to me about Operation Smile. And it's like, yeah, believe it or not, it actually is on you to do the work. It's just follow. a little weird that she thought she was going to get handed a position on the yes. board. Like she was just going to walk in and be on the board of Operation Smile. What? Yeah. Guys, Jesse was going to the more <laughs> laid back school. Camille was working really hard. You know, she didn't have Earth Day off. Like... by the way though i did feel for camille in that scene because quite obviously pc and jesse did not go to the most academically vigorous school in comparison to camille who really seemed to be like bending backwards to do anything um but you know i don't have a problem with her admitting that she was i mean at my school you had to do 100 hours of community service and so um and I did, I wound up really loving it. And I actually, de- that definitely helped me get into school was how many hours I had. But I, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with admitting that that's why you want to be a part of a charity because that's essentially what adults do. Like there's whole, you know, structures of society that are built upon women doing philanthropy. Um, and it's And it's much more about basically, you know, having some sort of purpose in your life, despite the fact that you might not work or, you know, do other things. I mean, it's just like women who spend their husband's money, right? That's like a whole cliche. And, um, that's, that's exactly what I expect from people like that. I liked how honest it was. I thought her honesty was what made her so enjoyable. Yeah. Well, Camille, you know, wanting to do charity for college versus Sebastian wanting to raise money for wells <laughs> in Africa to get more girls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and I, I he, did appreciate, he, though, that he had a charity outside of Operation Smile. Right. He ended up going to school for international relations with a focus on Africa. So fast. So I think that there's a possibility that maybe in his heart of hearts, he does actually have a little bit of a passion for digging wells. (laughs) Well, throughout the show, Sebastian, you know, his main priority was hooking up with girls. When, you know, when the show opens, we have him courting Taylor. They go on a few dates before she realizes, you know, she she has two options in front of her. She can either stick with Sebastian. Because um, he has his social status. And he, you know, he's in prep school or she can get back together with her ex. But I loved that she, she tried both and then ended up with the third option, neither, because she doesn't want to be in a relationship <laughs> and she would just rather be taking her 13 dance classes. I loved the, just like the shifting love triangle between first 
Taylor, Kelly, and Sebastian to Taylor, Sebastian, and Cole. Well, yeah, because, like, you almost have to ask, like, <laughs> I don't know, like, what do you mean? Like, you're a high school, like, you kind of want to keep it more casual. Like, I, I can't relate. Like, when I was in <laughs> high school, the last thing I wanted my relationship to be was casual. I wanted that Nicholas Sparks love affair, you know? Yeah, I, like, w- thought I was going to, like, die holding hands with my high school boyfriend. Like, I absolutely – so I can – I, like, you know, in a weird – I'm oddly envious of her sort of I don't give a shit attitude about relationships. I loved it. I, I really admired it. And I do think it was Cole who was the – that was his name, right, Cole? Cole, yeah. He was the one that that wanted that relationship. Like, he really wanted to, like – for her to be his girl and like to see her every single day and she was not having it and when she when she chooses Cole over Sebastian it didn't even really feel like she chose him it it just kind of seemed like Sebastian it just kind of seemed like she went on a date with Cole and Cole was like so you should tell Sebastian that you don't want to see him anymore because now you and I are together and I'm like since when are you together where did that come from well, the most delicious part was that she, there was no, like, I, they were never really together. So there was no official breakup. It was just her walking into Camille's dinner party with Cole on her arm after having given, like, Sebastian, like, a cheek kiss. And it was like, this is what's happening now, you know? We're not hooking up. <laughs> it was just so bizarre. Because, yeah, that was just so far from my high school experience. I, th- I think we have to talk about Fashion Week. <laughs> I think so, too. Because it's such an incredible episode. It's it's episode six. It's guest of guests. And, you know, it opens with, I mentioned earlier, Jess, uh, Jessie getting that internship. And she, I think, interns with the Charlotte Ronson show. And there's nothing for her to do, so she leaves. But so much of the episode is about, like, PC, again, wanting to make Taylor his project. Yeah. I mean, well, can we just, like, tap on Jessie really quickly? Because oh, yeah. it sort of, like, drove me nuts. Because it was, like, the difference between rich kids who want to get involved and kids who are not from that background wanting to get involved. Because when I was that age, if I was volunteering at an event, I would make myself busy. Like, she even, like, was supposed to just guard a door, but she didn't want to miss the show, so she left her you know, spot at the door, which was really honestly just like a busy work job. Like she was right in that assessment, but like make yourself busy. I understand like that, you know, it's overwhelming. It's really crowded backstage. Maybe the other interns are being really clicky, but make yourself an, like, you know, someone that a valuable resource and you will find your way. Just like, it was so annoying to see someone have that opportunity and be so wasteful about it. Yeah. And to have like no gratitude for the opportunity. I mean, I would have like killed for any kind of opportunity like that when I was in high school, that would have like rocked my entire world to even be present at fashion week but she was like there just kind of waiting for them to like hand her like a big important task to do like she was just going to show up as the 17 year old intern and they were going to have her like dressing the models and yet she's outraged that camille had no initiative (laughs) yeah and you know there's like of course there's a clickiness amongst these interns you know they probably have done these shows together before this isn't their first season and you know if you have to if if they're not mobilizing the interns like within 
their own company and the and the interns are are having to do it themselves which is a whole issue um get involved with them like go make friends with them like don't what is with the wallflower shit like only a rich kid could think that that's okay oh she just it's interesting that she then hops to the other internship and we kind of it's painted like she's been doing all these interviews but then you find out at the end that the the fashion designer that she ends up interning with is one of the chairman at Operation Smile. So it would have been someone that she knew already and like yeah, already had that connection and already had those strings pulled. She described herself as having a job with him. Yeah, it was, it was really frustrating. I had an intern, it was a volunteer position and there wasn't much for me to do, but it is one of those things where like, if, if these opportunities aren't handed to you, you know, like I was going out of my way, even if I wasn't doing anything to, to interact with the team, to like, get to know these people to get to know my supervisors and got a wonderful opportunity afterwards because of it. So it is kind of just, it's, it's interesting her perception of herself and her work ethic versus what we got to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was interesting to see that, you know, ambition really at play. And, and, uh, and her judgment, you know, towards others for not, being quote unquote as ambitious. Yeah. Like that's exactly, it's like, well, I saw what you do when you have a chance to be ambitious, sweetie. And it's, you abandon your post. <laughs> that's what you well, do. Yeah. And also just the way that she called like these 20 somethings pathetic for like being interns. And I'm like, okay, thanks. <laughs> like She's like, they're like 10 years older than me. And it's like, you are such a privileged little twat. I mean, like, you know how hard those people had to work in order to be in the position to like pull that off? You're insane. It's just that tunnel vision of like not understanding that not everybody's parents are billionaires. Right. I think I have this moment and I realized it recently at, at one of my, at, you know, before the world shut down at work. I think because my bubble has been people kind of at, at the same playing field as me, you know, just like kind of like working towards the next step that I just, I, I, I forget that people like Jesse are handed these opportunities. So I'm watching the show and she's claiming to work so hard. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then to see it. <laughs> the grind. Like, yes. Queen. Oh, <laughs> oh, grinding Monday to Friday. I see you. Um, so yeah, that was just kind of a mental check for me. It's just like, wow. The perhaps different realities that we all live in. Perhaps she's not actually working that hard. Yeah. Well, I love the scene where she shows up late to her job and they're like, where were you? And she's like, I was taking a French test. Yeah, <laughs> and she was like, like, they don't, it's like, I feel like they don't remember. Like, I'm in high school. Like, I, and it's like, maybe you shouldn't be pretending to have a job. Right. You know, like. I had a job in high school as a Bertucci's. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> maybe let the man know that you, you know, you're still in high school and, and you have those responsibilities and he won't be so upset. I don't know. There was some strange communication around that whole relationship. I got the vibe. Like, they seemed so familiar with each other. I just got the sense that, like, they were family friends. Like, yeah. she definitely, like, knew this designer pretty well. I mean, her mom is like, I mean, they, the way that whole family is, is like, I don't know. I feel like I knew exactly who they were when she got up and told her maid that her dog needed to be walked and then like went and sat back 
down. Like they are just clearly a, a family that throws money around and is they're probably popular with designers just by the sheer amount of clothing they buy. You know, like what gives Jesse this kind of delusional sense of of being the hardest working person in the room? Never being told that she's wrong. Right. Like, you know, no one in her, uh, like she, she believes all of this stuff because no one's ever told her it's not true. And that's the way that people talk to people who have money is they just want to make them feel happy so they can keep getting a piece of it. There was nothing more horrific to me than the moment where she is sitting down with like the, the heads of Operation Smile and is blatantly interrupting them and <laughs> talking to her like high school assistant to make yeah. like making sure that everything's being printed. And it's like, girl, what what are you doing? And also like, these are the heads of, again, like the biggest charity operate, like biggest charity of, of the moment. So they're like listening to this high school girl be like, well, what about like the save the dates and blah, blah, blah. And they're sort of like, we <laughs> deal with a lot bigger things than this Manhattan high school chapter of Operation <laughs> like, Smile. What about the cleft palates? Yeah. Exactly. What about the cleft palates, Jesse? Um, wait, can one more thing though, with the stylist, not to, not to completely deviate, but I want to make sure I, I remember to say this when Camille brought in the like, Closet organizer, did you sort of feel like the closet organizer was going to turn around and sell her shit? <laughs> I hope to God that she did. Picking up every designer item and being like, you'd never wear this. This is ugly. Yeah, this is not this your is style, funny. honey. This is not your style. That sounds like what Roberto does with his friends. This is something I would wear. That's when she said that. This was something I would wear, not you. And I'm like, well, do, are you going to wear it? <laughs> Where, where is all this stuff going? I hope, I hope she was pulling a scam on Camille. 100%. I do feel confronted because, look, that is what I have done. <laughs> Encouraging our friends to clean out their closets and then coming home with like a bag full of shirts. I fucking see you. Oh, at the end of the day, we all need a new wardrobe. I, I was so happy for this woman. But I do love when Camille challenged her and was like, look, let me show you. And then she put on that dress and the leather jacket and was like, see, this is my style. It's like, God, Camille, with your feather headbands. I know. <laughs> she was killing it with those feather head pieces. She was loving it. Well, if we're going to talk about the Fashion Week episode, we just have to talk about like what was seemingly the biggest drama of the series, which was PC bringing his socialite magazine friends oh. to Jesse's work party, almost ruining her career, derailing <laughs> her internship. So, I mean, like, after these fucking nightmare humans show up to this event, they're trying to get PC to go out all night and they were saying like oh the best time to do homework is from like 8 a.m to 11 a.m or something yeah and, um, after like, are you free from four to eight right and then after they leave the um they leave the nightclub to like go to the party to go to another place PC says like oh I'm gonna go to the tiki room with you for like five minutes Devora, like it it almost got cut out but she has this slight little thing where she looks at him like there is no five minutes at the tiki room and you and I know that and I was like oh my god she 
is doing cocaine with this 18-year-old boy. I thought well, that Deborah was seducing PC. She, I mean, was, she was thrilled when she found out he was 18. <laughs> yeah, I mean, their relationship was incredibly inappropriate. Like, there was just sh- so many shades of... But at the same time, it's like, just seeing how many reality shows she was on, you do kind of get the sense that she was using him to get on his reality show. I mean, she was also like, you know, I mean, she was able to flatter half the cast of like uh, Real Housewives in New York to get onto the show. So she is like, she did a very good job of sort of inserting herself into the Bravo scene to make it on at least two. I wouldn't be surprised if she was on, um, what was it called? Like um, the Lizzie Grubman show. Um like the world of PR with Lizzie Grubman and Jonathan Sheban was on it or that one that Tinsley Mortimer was on, like the it crowd. Like I think maybe power girls. There's literally a list. Like she was on cake boss. She was on married to Jonas. So she, but she was on cake boss. She was getting on that TLC grind. I mean, I can't, I can't knock that kind of hustle. She had to probably buy a cake in order to get on that show. No one worked harder than Devorah. Like she really, made herself happen yeah i will say i mean when it comes to pc there's just you cannot party until 8 a.m if you're not on cocaine like it just has to be like i i how can you be awake that long like it just it is kind of they they refuse to admit it they refuse to say it and he he actually says several times like i'm not doing drugs i'm not doing drugs which is a pretty good sign that you're doing drugs Dude, I mean, her real name is Deborah Denise Trachtenberg, and she's from Reno, Texas. Like, let's think about what she was on Dina's party. That was the um, that was Dina Lohan. I yeah. mean, like this girl really created a situation for herself. I'm on her um, IMDb or her Wikipedia right now. She was raised primarily in Newton, Massachusetts. Oh, wow. A hometown hero. My mind is blown. The things that Deborah has seen. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing perfect that, like, there's nothing better for sort of falsifying a career than, like, starting a puff magazine called Social Life Magazine. Because what idiot isn't going to want to be a part of that? I do now feel like, Abby, we have to do a mini so just, like, tracking Deborah. The Devorah Diaries. The De- <laughs> exactly. There is so fucking much to follow. I mean, it's unbelievable. What a little shapeshifter she is. I wonder, I'm going to DevorahRose.com right now to see. I can only well, imagine the aesthetic of her website. She's still, she still runs Social Life magazine, which is that different than Socialite magazine? No, it's Social Life. Okay. If, I said, if I said Socialite, it was probably just me swearing. Oh, I I yeah. thought it was socialite magazine I didn't realize it was social life yeah but she um she has a different face now she doesn't oh. look the same I mean I guess vaguely she looks a little bit like Iggy Azalea yeah I could they probably have the same surgeon <laughs> good for her yeah I I mean I can't knock a hustle I mean I do hope that she wasn't like being sexual with an 18 year old boy. Um, I mean, I imagine she was providing him with, with at least the atmosphere for him to do drugs, but 
But you know what? We weren't there and neither were the cameras. So we don't really know. It's like how many Bravo shows has she pitched to Andy Cohen? Oh my God. So many. <laughs> or like, you know how many pitches like have come up at Bravo where they were like, yeah, we have a friend named Devora who's going to be a part of the cast. Like, and they're like, oh, Devorah Rose. Yeah. No. Not Devorah yeah. again. Yes. I am sure that she was a part of so many pitch ensembles that it's unreal. I do feel like she probably also was willing to jump to any career necessary. You know, she's like, yeah, I'll, I'll be a real estate agent for a show. It's like there was no necessity for her to be on NYC prep. Like she did not need to be there to entertain you. <laughs> oh yeah, Jesse. Well, she's she's against Trump. She's got a couple sort of political ish posts in 2018. Interesting. She's really going hard on the Black Lives Matter stuff for sure, which I appreciate. I guess you know, like assuming that she's not being a fake activist but yeah i mean i do also appreciate how she has no real aesthetic to her instagram page for someone who supposedly runs a magazine yeah she seems a lot less curated than you would expect given who she is like it's just it's kind of chaotic if you scroll down i mean she's talking about climate change like our girls really she's trying she's using any angle she can you know it was it was that influence that was that pc influence when she met him and (laughs) took him under her wing dude she she's teaching people how to hydrate bees (laughs) there's like little she goes to help hydrate our little pollinators fill a bowl or pan with marbles and add water the marbles give the bees a safe a safe place to land so they can drink without drowning the way you describe it it just seems like maybe her account is being run by like an instagram bot like an algorithm that just wants there's a picture of a dead bee and it says it's official (laughs) the bumblebee has been added to the endangered species list her interests ah endangered species list like devorah come on now girl she is all over the place i have to say wow what a treat she is i mean she's anti-nra she is here for these immigrant rights Mm -hmm. she is vegetarian anti-fur you know in a weird way as much as i was concerned about sort of devorah's lack of professionalism with pc i was even more weirded out by the stylist at the event who was like you know at the photo shoot who was like grabbing pc's ass and like i he was the one that was after pc sexually for sure we have to talk about this because so after a therapy session pc is like i need to shake things up and decides to become an apprentice to a photographer and that's where he meets deborah And then after the photo shoot is done, she takes the camera and has the photographer and PC do like a shirtless homoerotic photo shoot. It just instantly to me felt like they were preying on him. Like instantly I was like, oh, I don't think that this is a safe space for this young boy. Yeah, based on the way the end of that sort of meeting went when they all like were at the photo shoot and the stylist was sort of hitting on uh pc i thought oh PC's never gonna call that guy like this guy just freaked him out and the fact that like not only did it seem like this man got him addicted to cocaine but then he showed up to jamie's 
fashion week party was like, oh my God, PC, like you surprised me. You're not going to talk to this absolutely jovial woman in Cancun, but you're going to hang out with this like cereal predator cocaine <laughs> dealer. Like what is going on? I think about that same, that it's still a fashion week episode, but when PC and his entourage show up to her event and almost get her fired, when she's just like looking at them and she's like, these people are interesting. Is it because they have long hair? Is it because they're wearing leather? Is it all of it together? Like, what is it that's really raising your eyebrows? Is Jesse homophobic? And is that why PC is so guarded? No, I think it's the cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if I'm being perfectly honest with you, I don't think Jesse's homophobic. I mean, she's at an event with a gay designer. I don't think she operates from a place of homophobia, although I'm sure there is some of it involved yeah sure i honestly think it was because like that the the three of them seem like drug buddies i mean it it did i think because they're not allowed to say on the show like what's really going on it reads as a little bit like why is everyone so uptight about these people coming to this party but it is like they were partiers and they were coming to party but it was a professional event that they weren't invited to so it's like why are you here as like your pregame before you go to the tiki room all night. Yeah. And as the designer explained at the end, like it just wasn't that kind of occasion. Like it was a very small party for probably people directly involved in the event, basically like a wrap party for the people who helped like, you know, send the fashion show off with like a bang or whatever. And they, you know, they show up, you know, as sort of their pit stop before the clubs that night, no uninvited, you know, not necessarily friendly to anyone else in the room. Like they basically just came, camped out, drank free drinks, and then left. Um, yes, yes, do not invite guests. It's the truth. It's the truth, especially not to an event like that. Like, you know, it, it was very reminiscent of Heidi showing up to Elsie's like Teen Vogue work event. Literally in the pilot. Yeah. yeah, And getting in a fight with her boyfriend at the board party. (laughs) Yeah. An incredible moment in history. Yeah. But go for it. No, I just, the thing with PC is I, I mean, as much as he's, he's misogynist, he has all this rage. Like I knew, like I, I worked at a restaurant in high school and I, it was essentially a bar. I knew like 16, 17, 18 year olds who were alcoholics and who were involved with older people who were taking advantage of them, giving them drugs, like partying with them. And I can just see like, you know, despite all of his privilege and also probably because of his privilege, because he's the child of a billionaire, who's the child of a billionaire, these people want to be around him that they took advantage of him. And I just, I don't know, like, I feel, I feel for him as like a young boy getting swept into this like drug scene. And you see how hurt he is when Taylor ditches his party. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I thought that was like a possessive thing. Like he just like thought that Taylor was going to be like his, his. Well, it's like he kind of started to trust this girl and the the weird level of disrespect that he felt because she just like didn't want to go to a party. Um, but I will say all of the that stuff with Jabora and the friends, you know, that gave us, I, I just think maybe his loveliest moment at the end when he's just like kind of mans up and apologizes to Jesse's boss. And I, it, 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 it felt like a, a forced, you know, this is a character growth moment at the end, but it was still just like kind of lovely and sweet. 
Um, and you know, at the end of the season, we get a lot of, you know, Jesse is going to FIT and staying in New York. PC is moving to LA. Um, what Sebastian has decided that he is going to try just dating one girl or a smaller <laughs> quantity of ladies, but harder, but, but harder, <laughs> exactly. And then, you know, Kelly's getting into the studio. She's songwriting. She's she's going to try writing her songs. And my favorite, um, well, Camille is, is, is supposedly taking center stage next year as a senior. But my favorite is Taylor's outro package, kind of, where she, all she says is like, I now have the confidence of prep school kids. <laughs> and then just, it's just like her walking off into the sunset. Um, but... It it is a perfect one season show that I feel like can only exist in two thousand nine. I don't see this this show coming out at any other time for me. It would be illegal. Yeah. I would this would never fly in today's world at all. Yeah, I mean, with the underage drinking and with people like, I feel like there's less of a taste for like, oh, I want to see filthy rich teenagers in New York, and like yeah, have a and- window into what they're doing. Like, sort of, I don't know. I mean, like, even just, like, sort of the predatory nature of production yeah. in a weird way. Like, there, it's just questionable um, to think about how adults were possibly able to remain professional in an environment where they're filming teenagers drinking. Yeah. Now, I'm not, like, accusing this production company of anything, but it's, like, one of the first things that comes to mind when you're questioning kids on camera and filming kids on camera just in their natural environment of drinking and partying. Like, oh, all 100%. Of answers, all of the answers that they gave came from questions. You know, yeah. what were those questions? I, How also, was I also feel like it was production that was responsible for PC meeting Devora, meeting this magazine. Like, they probably set up that connection. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm I'm interested to know how much production kind of knowing that, you know, these are kids and choosing to maybe stop filming at certain points or how much they, or if they filmed everything and it's just like, they have a backlog of all of this, like, <laughs> of these children drinking and doing drugs. And I would be terrified knowing that that was out there. I too, like Taylor, would probably disappear. Yeah. Just feel like with PC, like the cameras never went home with him. So you never saw where he lived. So I feel like the crew, like by the time he was out like partying all night, I just feel like the camera crew was not with him. Because I don't think he would have been up to what he was up to if there was a camera in his face. And we'll never know. We'll never know. I mean, I can always DM, but (laughs) I'm going to have that self-control. PC, excuse me. He's a photographer now. His mom is an artist, writer, artist, and he he now is is a photographer and he directs music videos. Good for him. And Kelly, we do we know anything that Kelly is doing other than you know she has zero a song? nothing. Okay. She had she had a song in two thousand eleven, but that's like the only thing about her that you can find. And Sebastian's married. She's kind of cute. She's like a cute blonde. It was fun watching him like serial date kind of these brunettes that all just like looked a little identical to me. Um, but his, um, his Instagram, do you know? It's, um, I think it's his name. His last name is Oppenheim. Oh, his. Yeah, let me see. Oh, I did keep track. And throughout the show, Sebastian flirted with eight brunettes. He's cute. 
Yeah, Sebastian's cute. He looks happy on his wedding day. Yeah, his wife's name is June. No, oh, that's cute. no, wait, no, that's what he works for. Never mind. <laughs> I thought the at in his bio was his wife, but no, it's June Holmes, which is the the real estate agency he works for. Uh, his, his wife is cute. I mean, he's a one man woman, one woman man. He's a one woman man. It's like, what are his other passions now that he's not hooking up anymore? I think building wells in Africa, we have to assume. You're so <laughs> right. You're so right. Well, that is that is the conclusion of NYC Prepped, Bravo's 2009 genius show. You can watch it on Amazon Prime, I think, unless there's a free place to watch it. For some reason, I think it's supposed to be on Bravo right now, but I couldn't get it. I couldn't get the video to work on Bravo, so I just bought it on um prime they did rerun it recently like in april they reran it so there was a lot of people in quarantine like binge watching nyc prep at home for them i mean a little joy during lockdown we were doing it so (laughs) they're in good company i hope this was okay i don't know if i contributed much but thank you for having me on no it was was so so fun Look, this is like the first good thing that's happened to us in months. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm sorry about that, but I'm thinking for having me. And if you guys ever decide to do Real Housewives of DC, I am on it. So, oh my gosh, yeah. yeah I mean, we would so- love to have you back, and we're like, we're definite fans. But it's very cool to have you on our podcast, and of we're course. definitely new to podcasting, so we're still like learning our our sort of like style and. Etc. I think but... you guys are great, and I really appreciate uh, you guys asking me. I'm happy to be here, and um, good luck with the rest of your as you continue on your podcasting journey. Thank you, Thank so, you so much. much we'll be in touch when this episode comes out, and uh, yeah, we'll let you know if we. I mean, I think we probably will end up doing Real Housewives of DC. I think it's a great idea. God bless. Um, all right, you guys have a good day. Bye. Bye have Molly. a good one. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs>